He said, I'm reaching for a can and there's a rattlesnake coiled right by my hand. Ah. Oh, and, I, no. and I yelled at her, what kind of can? <laughs> <laughs> but over time I saw, I saw our Montana brewers starting to go back to that idea of traditional brewing in Montana of being a public house and an important part of the community and brewing their, brewing their, uh, their beers to fit the taste of their communities. And, and I was so pleased and proud of them that I started displaying their stuff. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. We've said it again and again and again. Do you know what's really cool about beer? The people that you meet. And a lot of times the best people that you meet, the coolest people that you meet, are just by sitting down at a bar and saying hi to a stranger. And that's what we did. And we realized it wasn't a stranger we were saying hi to. I know that was kind of cool. We and thought it was a stranger. we actually knew. We're like, hey, that's we know how, you. And that's how we ended up uh, having... Steve Bubs Lozar on our podcast this time. Who is Steve Bubs Lozar? <laughs> I know. Nobody knows. Uh, well, no, a lot of people do know, but a lot of people on this pod listening to this podcast may not know. Well, so but, who, who is so he? So Bubs is a guy. So let me backtrack a little bit. Two years ago, we came up to Montana for a craft beer journalism conference. Yes. Believe it or not, there is a conference for that. And believe it or not, it was held in Great Falls, Montana, of all places. And that's actually because there is a pretty darn good brewery scene across the state of Montana, albeit a lot of those breweries are very far apart from one another. <laughs> but uh, we came up for that journalism, craft beer journalism conference called Beer Now. And we met a guy as part of the conference whose name, he goes by the nickname Bubs, and he's a Montana brewery historian amongst many other things. But that's one of the things he's like super, super, he's super passionate about a lot of things. <laughs> but Montana breweries is a big thing. And he's a huge collector of uh, Montana brewery memorabilia and just historical things. Okay. So. But not just a collector like this guy. No, no, no. He, this isn't like just a private collection in his own. This he is... literally, he has a legit Montana beer museum. Like, it is a legit museum, and he knows everything about every piece that's in that museum. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And we're talking Smithsonian quality here. No no exaggeration whatsoever. He is that good at maintaining the these beer artifacts, it's, I guess is the best way to put it, for called, years and years and years. It's called Brianna. Brianna. That's hard for me to say because I want to say Brianna. <laughs> I don't even know why. Brianna is it? So yeah. to fast forward again, so we met we met Bubs two years ago. Hadn't seen him, talked to him. He hadn't seen us, talked to us in two years. And we happened to be up here in Montana working for the summer in, in Woods Bay, which is right outside of Big Fork, which is outside of Kalispell. <laughs> Near Glacier, that's all I can say. So we went up to one of our favorite breweries, just period, one of our favorite breweries, Bonsai. 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 In Whitefish, like probably a couple weeks after we got here. And we sat down at the bar 
and we're just having a couple of drinks, and then this guy comes up no, and sits no, no. down. No, this, this whole group comes into the brewery. It's like a huge group yeah. that comes in because they had just finished playing hockey. Ice hockey. Yeah, ice hockey, not just, yeah. Legit so just outdoor ice hockey. So everybody's coming in to get some drinks and food and, you know, beer after playing yeah, ice it's hockey. Yeah, their post-game celebration, hangout, yeah. having fun. And this, this stranger, in air quotes, that we thought yeah. was a stranger, sat down next to us. At the bar, and so we start chatting, and then, like, within a minute, we're both looking, we're all three looking at each other, like, I know you from somewhere, and he's like, I know you from somewhere, and we both, at, all, at the same time, I think we all kind of pointed at each other and, like, beer now. <laughs> so, yeah, beer brings people together in all kinds of ways, and re brings people together in all kinds of ways, and uh, yeah, that was a really cool, fortuitous day that we just happened to be at Bonsai at the same time. So from then, we actually said, wait, I want to back up, though. So not only was it cool that we met him at a bar just by chance, it was also cool that we realized that he, he's like still playing ice hockey. I don't know how old he is, but I was, still. He's in his 70s. Freaking cool. Bubs is in his 70s. Anyhow, that was just a side note. And, um, yeah, playing full-on outdoor ice hockey. So that's pretty legit, man. <laughs> so from there, though, we made a plan to, like, um, meet up and tour the Montana Brewery Museum. And let me tell you, I don't – if even if you don't think you need to know a lot about Montana craft beer, the history that's behind all this is kind of uh, – it's very similar to the history of craft beer across the United States. But the cool thing to me um, when we went – when we finally did go to the museum, I, I, I was struck by, I think, whether you're a beer fan or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, I, any beer fan would geek out on it, for sure. But also, if you're just a fan of, like, his, history and historical, you know, a lot of people really dig just digging into the past and, and how, and especially when that history is really well maintained and really well told. And that's the the fun thing at this museum is that Bubs was going to be there to show you around and talk to you about, like April said, he knows everything about every piece in there. And he wants you to go in and touch these things and feel these things and experience these things that he's preserved, you know. And some of this stuff is 120 plus years old. He's also not just, um, he hasn't just memorized all the stuff about this. Oh, he, no, no knows the information behind all the things that he has which is really cool um so that like and he's passionate about it so yeah so it's really exciting so well, and i would say along those same lines that you're saying bubs you'll hear and hear a little bit more about him but he has some uh native american roots here and anybody who knows about native american tradition and history is that a lot of it is verbal like a lot of it, storytelling is how a lot of history is maintained. The stories are passed down over generations, and he definitely has that in his blood. I mean, he's he's a storyteller and a really, really good storyteller, as you'll find out here. And an artist. And an artist. He's and a screen printer by trade nowadays. Yeah. He's a, he's. I I've met with him a few times since. The museum tour and everything too and we just we automatically just go down a rabbit hole just chatting and he's just fun to talk to but he's a he was a big um he was an art student in his younger years and college and stuff and 
he was inspired very much by um the the 60s like um concert art uh, concert poster art and that was a big thing that got him going down that the artistic side of things and i don't know if we really talked about that much in this interview i don't think so and and a lot of it blends together for me now because i've talked to him a handful of times and i'm and it's always a lot of storytelling and a lot of talking about the things that we all both love and history and around a beer around a beer oh it's always around a beer around a beer of course you so, always got time for one beer, right? <laughs> so this, um, yeah, so we sat down and talked with uh, Bubs um, for quite a while. This is kind of a concise piece of it. And I think you'll enjoy learning about, like, his family history because his, oh, my gosh, beer is not just something that he loves. Beer is a part of him. It's like a mm-hmm. genetic part of him and his family. So, and he's so excited about it that, like, he goes immediately into talking about, like, his family history you know, and then he gets into like the whole story behind the museum and he touches on like a few of his favorite pieces. And it's just really interesting story. So listen to the podcast. You'll get to know him like we did. And then you'll also, this is tricky too, sneaky, sneaky on us. You're also going to have to go to our YouTube channel because we've got a whole tour of the museum for you on video. Oh. On our YouTube channel. It'll be broken into parts, but you can't just listen to this podcast without seeing like what we are seeing when we're there with him. It's extraordinary. It is. And when you see it on video, you'll you just be amazed because you look around the room and like, oh my, everywhere you turn, I kid you not, literally everywhere you turn is there's something new something to explore to explore and we're talking floor to ceiling and across the ceiling and everywhere it's it's amazing so, but so, first let's like actually let bubs talk yeah we probably should yeah and talk about how he's gathered all of this and like yeah he's he's really fun to talk to so like let's let him talk and with that here's bubs of the mozarts that came to montana my great-grandfather was the first one joseph and um, he came from uh he came from Novo Mesto um, in Slovenia, and uh, 1888, right end of 1887, first of 1888, and he, uh, over time, he would write back to the family, and uh, and other Lozars would move to East Helena, where he ended up, huh. and uh, and some of them went back to Minnesota and Michigan, beer guys, and uh, and the family has always stayed fairly small except in, uh, uh, or including in, uh, in Slovenia, where, uh, where the family came from. They still live a, a pretty rural life there, but in the little village where Grandpa came from, I, you know, I've done artwork for this shop off and on for, for 40, our 40th year. One of the Lozars in uh, Novo Mesto was uh, the local sign painter. Uh-huh. You know, and, hey, maybe it's genetic. Yeah, and there you go. Uh, I, I know the beer is. That's for, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So you on the screen? It's the screen printing shop. Yeah, screen, and then... it's the oldest one in Montana. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it actually started in a in a um, literally in a garage in Great Falls. And one day I was working in education for the tribes, and um, I, I loved working with the kids. But more and more, I was inheriting more employees and and more um, uh, and getting more away from the kids and doing administrative stuff. And, uh, and one day, one of my cousins came in and she was, um, 
she was complaining about something and that seemed to be all I heard day after day people complaining and so I just sat at my phone I said a prayer I've only said once in my life and, and I've never said it since but she finally left after griping about all the other employees and I just said Jesus I don't care what you send just deliver me from this and I said it out loud sitting at my desk that was my whole prayer um, but I can tell you it was heartfelt and frustration felt too. About 30 minutes later, the phone rings and it's these two brothers from up in Big Fork that I used to buy t-shirts from for tribal summer recreation kids. And they said, you know, we're thinking about selling our, uh, selling our equipment. Um, do you think the tribes would be interested? And I said, no, but I would be. <laughs> took me about a year to put it together, but, um, but I bought some really archaic old equipment and the only thing I had actually screen printed I mean I learned about it in, in art art school I went to art high school the only thing that I um, that I, I had really screen printed was back in the 60s um, uh, after reading a Ken Kesey book um, the electric kool-aid acid test mm -hmm. oh, yeah. um, we um, I, I screamed a bunch of my friends and I decided that we're not fraternity kind of guys we're actually completely yeah. opposite and so we named ourselves Sigma Bia Kappa Acid. And that was our, our non-fraternity. And I screened some hats and some uh, visors and a couple of left chests. And that was my start into the, into the business. Then I answered prayer. And um, in here I've been able to earn a living in art for, in Western Montana, which is pretty rare, um, yeah. for... In 40 years. So how did you go from screen printing to, um, okay, for the listeners here, we're sitting in this crazy, um, how do you describe it? Expansive history of Montana beer. It's, it's gorgeous. Montana beer music. Yeah. So how did you go from like screen printing into having well, a Montana it goes, I know it goes beer. way back to right. your childhood. It, your, it, your beer interest goes way back. It, but it, the, well in before the, Montana. And the Montana Beer Museum is above your screen printing shop. Yeah. So like, yeah, where, how did that come about? Well, I, um, I had a small building that I built in town and um, when, I, when I first uh, started screen printing. And uh, one of the back rooms, I brought in a few of my um, Buriana, they call this stuff. I brought in a few signs and some bottles and put them in this little room. And, um, and I, I just kept, kept adding, bringing a few more from home and a few more from home. And, and uh, pretty soon it was just bursting at the seams and, and our business had really taken off and so we, uh, we needed to build a bigger building and so that's what we did. And so the, the building was all designed by the workers so it flows really well. Um, and uh, my only job was uh, every month or so we'd meet and I'd say, what do you think? And they'd say, well, we think we should have this and this and this. And I would just say, no, it's too expensive and uh, keep thinking and so they put this whole thing together while they were doing that in my head I was designing a place where people could come and see the history of Montana brewing and so so eventually I um, we moved to this bigger building and I had designed it um, with pieces of cardboard I made a little cardboard <laughs> shop and, um, and 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 put all this stuff in there and um, and then over time, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, I kept adding, and pretty soon, it's what you see here. Um, right behind you is um, is my great grandfather's uh, bar from 1888, 
and, um, and it was um, it was taken out of the rubble of the uh, old original saloon that was torn down in East Helena, and one of my cousins, who was a tribal cop and a and a cabinet maker, put the whole thing back together, and so it became the centerpiece. Uh, even though it's off center, which fits my family perfectly, <laughs> um, it became the centerpiece of a place where that I could display all of this history and and as an anthropologist and, and a history history person, even as a little kid, um, this this all fit so well. Um, and I'm researching all the time. I have 21 chapters of a book that I'm writing that'll have um, 38 chapters on brewing history in Montana. It'll be the only one of its kind, and it's pretty academic, but it's full of all kinds of wonderful, wonderful brewing stories, and it touches on, on most of the breweries in Montana. So that's how this kind of all coalesced into, into this place. And it took me a while to add, um, to add um, things from Montana's craft brewing, because in the early, early years of craft brewing, often it, were, it was, um, Made up of people who had um, um, had a certain amount of um, money backing. A lot of times, they came from rich families, and and often, not always, but often, they uh, didn't have any kind of any kind of concern about about the craft that they were pursuing. They were doing it for a lark, a lot of them, and uh, and so I, I I picked up. Things from their places, you know, when when they put up an ad, and after the event was over, I'd pull it off. And um, and but over time, I saw I saw our Montana brewers starting to go back to that idea of traditional brewing in Montana of being a public house and an important part of the community, and brewing their brewing their uh, their beers to fit the taste of their communities. And and I was so pleased and, and, um, and proud of them that I started displaying their stuff. And so, uh, so I've got about 3,000 pieces that go into the ceiling. So about every six months, I spend about a month on the top of a 12-foot ladder um, oh, taking these down and putting up the other ones. Oh, my and, gosh. And, and for me, it is uh, hot, sweaty, dangerous, and just delightful. <laughs> just totally you need to expand. Good. That's what you need to do. You need to expand the space. Can you imagine moving all of this? No, not move. Just expand where you're at. Well, I think I think someday a lot of this and all the things I have in storage will move out into the shop proper, and we'll yeah. we'll print shirts in our building behind. Um, but but for here and now, it's it's compact. It's chucked full of history, and um, like I said earlier, I can just come in. Anytime, just lay on the floor and or sit in these chairs and just stare at all this beautiful art. So it seems. And it delights me. It seems kind of tucked away. Do you want it to become like more known to the general public or not so much? Yeah, can, because the, can the general public just come I, in here and see I, these I, I, I gave you two um, yes and no's when we were talking to begin with. Um, so I'll give you a third yes and no. Um, <laughs> as, as soon as I'm fully retired, um, then I'm going to promote it. Okay. Um, okay. So more people will come in. But as it is, and it is tucked away, and people call it a hidden treasure. And um, but um, 
it's but, but I want to I want to share that history, and um, but I want to be down here all the time when I can, and so um, so at at some point yes, it, but right now and it'll continue to be even when I open it up. Um, right now anybody can come in if they know about it come in mm-hmm. and um, and come up here they can use any of this in here for uh, for research. Um, they can take pictures of anything they want and um, and uh, as long as they don't mistreat anything right it um, um, it's I own it it's a very public thing for for the public I like to say that it's maybe it's kind of a speakeasy for the beer museum yeah, yeah <laughs> I like it's it. like a speakeasy I like feel. it I like it kind it, of know? is a speakeasy feel because if you're driving down the road here on highway 35 you wouldn't even really notice it was there until uh, unless you knew it was there already. Well, what my plan will be when I eventually do do open it up to make it more um, more public, at least for the knowledge of that it's here, is I have my eye on a um, a huge about a two and a half story vat from an old Montana brewery. Mm. Oh wow! That. People don't know about it, and there's uh, there's three pieces to it. Um, it's steel, it's bolted together, and it's about 16 feet high. And um, and eventually, what I want to do is mount it out in front of the um, of the shop here, and um, put Joe Lozar's Montana uh, Brewery Museum around the outside of it, and um, and that will be the ultimate cool sign. That would and be, I, uh, I found that it here about 10 years ago, and it hasn't moved, it hasn't done anything except sit there and say, someday I want to serve you guys well. And so that's what will eventually happen. So do you get people to donate, like from the different breweries and families from the breweries from way back when to donate things, or is it just you and your family and people collecting? No, um, very few times has that happened with, with breweries. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a researcher, and so I, I have pretty good ideas to where to go and look, um, where to, uh, it's always really time consuming. Mm-hmm. But, but for me, it's such an adventure that, let's say it's ephemeral, it's, it's, it's paper. Um, every piece I turn over is, is the opportunity for discovery. And, and so it just turns me on, you know, I just, I can get in all this junk and everything, and. And uh, what, what a pleasure that is to be able to do it. And every once in a while, you'll hit the mother load. A lot of it's just plain luck, but a lot of it's knowing where to look and who to talk to. And being a researcher is a curse and yeah. a blessing in that, especially in brewing history, is you find, you find one thing and, and, it, and it changes all the tumblers that led to another thing that changes the tumbler. And, and so... And I, I haven't come up with a way yet of saying, this is it, this is as far as I'm going with my research, now I'm gonna finish this book. I, I just, inside me, I just can't, ooh, let me look at that stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and so that's, that's really part of the fun of it, you know? Getting to meet people like you, you know, just stopping at the brewery mm-hmm. uh, right. up, up there, and, and, um, yeah, and what a joy and honor for you guys to be down here today. Oh. You know? and, and it was just, just awesome. thanks to good beer. Yeah. yeah. Good bonsai. I agree with that. 
Does any of your family help out with this, or do they, they do, do they come across things and like, oh, oh, they do. They, Gotta get they, this. They, they do, you know. And my wife and I've been together for 50 years, and um, and um, when I was in grad school, she was uh, she was going to school at um, Mesa College in um, San Diego. We, we had no money, zero money, and uh, we lived in really shabby places, but. For we had one little tiny black and white TV, and it sat on a on a spool, an old electrician spool. And so every once in a while, we just needed to get out. And there's a highway 395 that runs from the east part of San Diego County to the Canadian border, and um, and it's an old two-lane road, and uh, urban sprawl has gone all over it. But before that, Carol and I would go out all the time and just go along the the um, barrel pits of, uh, of this highway, and it's, it goes forever. And back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, people were drinking beer and throwing them out. Right. And heavy manzanita down there, and uh, sometimes those cans would, would land in the manzanita bushes. Sometimes it just land in, uh, you know, on, the, on the ground and be, be covered up. And the sun couldn't get to them, but it was so dry Oh my God, they were in great shape. Some of those be 50 years old. They'd be in just spectacular shape. And uh, so we we would go out dumping, we called it. Yeah. And, and we'd go out dumping all the time. And that was our, our true joy yeah, to the point where one time we were, we were up getting close to Escondido, about 20 miles north of San Diego. And oh my God, we hit a stretch of, of great covered highway. The highway set up real high like this. And all this stuff was down below, and uh, and Carol yelled at me, Bob's, Bob's, and, and, and I, I said, what? And she said, I'm reaching for a can, and there's a rattlesnake coiled right by my hand. Uh, and oh, I, no. And I yelled at her, what kind of can? <laughs> <laughs> and, and she instantly, she's a pretty fiery girl anyway, she instantly <laughs> jumped back, went back to the car, wouldn't talk to me for two days, you know. <laughs> But it was an East Side Old Tap, and it was mint, and I have it down here in the collection. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. So that you know, it's it's been a it's been a shared love affair. Um, my wife, and she, I, I kind of do all of this. She's very supportive, and um, but uh, she was the one that discovered that way with that oxalic acid to clean those rusty cans and oh, turn yeah. them back into yeah. In here, in our little little tiny kitchen, she had pots all over the place. She was cleaning cans right and left. You gotta love that girl, and um, she likes her own beer. And um, so it was, uh, it was really good, you know, making grilled cheese sandwiches and cleaning oxalic acid. On the cans. <laughs> hey, that's a date night. You gotta right? have a hobby. That's a date night. Yeah, that's exactly. A date night. I'll tell that to her. She'll enjoy that. Yes. Yeah. And I love learning from you about the history of Montana beer because it's. Uh, you know, the early history of breweries in Montana, and, and I guess this is probably nationwide too, is very similar to today's brewing scene for craft brewers. You know, yeah, there, were, there were little breweries everywhere, and it was mostly, at that time, I think you had explained to me that it was mostly um, based off of ethnicity and, and where, because yes. we had a lot of immigrant populations Absolutely. wanting their, their home brews and things. And, and in a way, that's still similar now because people want 
certain beers in certain places and certain types of things. And so you have all these little craft brewers that have popped up. Well, like he was saying, it's kind of turning more back into the public house that it was. Yeah. Where it's a community gathering where people come and hang out. That day we were talking in Bonsai, um, Mm -hmm. it is to me the most community, democratic community uh, place um, because, because at the bar, I always use this, you can have a neurosurgeon and a roofer talk, standing next to each other talking about the ABV of, their, of, of the beer they're drinking. Right. You know? <laughs> and, um, and how wonderful is that? I mean, that is just so democratic. Um, and of course, up here in this part of the state, you say Democrat, and I am a Democrat. <laughs> but, you say, but you say Democrat, and you know, all instantly people are mad at you. You know, right. it's pretty nuts. But yeah. but it is. I mean, it's a very uh, um, equal place for every for everybody. Um, now, one of the things I'll describe and show you. People often ask me, um, "What's your most favorite thing in here?" Mm-hmm. You want to know? Mm-hmm. My favorites are are just little tiny things. I found this, everybody smoked, this was 1933. Everybody smoked in those days, and we saw some of the, I got lots more, but we saw some of the uh, matchbooks. Mm-hmm. But what's so cool about this is, is that, um, and of course I just throw them up on the, on the bars, and, uh, but when you open it up, every oh match God. is a beer of its own. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? Holy there's crap. there's two of these that are known to exist, and I got them both. Oh. And this is the better of the bunch. It's only missing one match, but um, but that's exactly what the labels look like. The debut special labels. So it's like a. I mean, there. it's a matchbox, and each match looks like a bottle of beer. That's what it is. That's really cool. Is that my other another one of my favorite pieces? And I got this over 40 years ago from an old miner, and a little short fellow, and he was standing right there at the bar. And he was so gruff, and he swore every sentence he swore in the sentence. Okay. And he was, he was so creative. I mean, he put swear words together that would just <laughs> dazzle you. And everything was a blankety-blank this and a blankety-blank that. And you remind me of my blankety-blank brother and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just fascinated by him. And anyways, I got something for you. And, and, um, and he pulled this out, and he threw it up on the... He threw it up on the bar and he said, um, "This is this is um, this is uh, uh, when those of us that uh, didn't have to serve during the war, um, because we worked in an essential industry, which, mm-hmm. because of the war effort, they wanted to keep all the men underground producing copper for the war effort. Mm-hmm. And so, if you got drafted and you worked in one of those jobs, you didn't have to go off to war. You didn't have to serve, but you had to serve uh, that essential job." And so a lot of those guys worked 10, 10 hour shifts, you know, six days a week. Um, and uh, so they'd come off the, um, they'd come off shift and go to the, go to the taverns and just, just loads of them in there. And, um, and if you could, you flipped it over and if you could guess what, what it said on the, don't take a picture of this one. Okay. Okay. Cause you're going to be just in a few minutes, you're going to be sworn to the secrecy of the okay. confessional. Um, in all the years I've had it, over 40, the, um, I've only had six people say exactly what it said. And uh, one of them was Charlie Papazian, who, who, is, wow. who founded the National <laughs> yeah. Brewers Association. 
he was in here and he was just he just loved this place wow. and uh, and uh, so in fact it was pretty early on didn't have a lot of stuff not like now but Charlie liked it and um, spent a morning here and, and he was one of the ones just instantly figured out what it said I was so impressed but five other people have um, but what really tickled me was this old man said it's it's in the blankety-blank vernacular of the 40s. And he said it very straight, like it was a, like it was a threat to me. I was amazed that he knew the word vernacular. <laughs> uh, honestly. <laughs> right. <laughs> honestly. And, uh, and, uh, and so, um, so we'll pretend this is the bar. And, um, Are you supposed to guess what that says? Exactly. So, and I, I can't can, take a picture of this so people can see it and try no, and guess. Uh, what no. Uh-oh. No. Okay. Are we, Sorry, we, listeners. A recording? Okay, yeah. We, we, can't, we can't tell us. Can't tell you anything. <laughs> you and Charlie Papazian are on your own. Insert Jeopardy theme song here. Kenny and I never got the answer. However, Bubs did tell us. But we're not going to tell you. So if you ever want to know what's on the back of that little card, you're going to have to go to the Montana Brewery Museum yourself and find out. Bubs did go on to tell us a little bit more about the history behind this card and how he once almost lost one of his most favorite pieces. Continue listening. But that's only half the story. Okay. Okay, here's the rest of the story. Can I tell this part of the story now? Yep, you can. Here's the rest of the story. Here's the rest of the story. As you open a beer. Yeah, as well you should. Um, As often, I'm invited to come and speak to groups and... um, and I've spoken um, to the, I've been the keynote at the Canadian Brewmasters Association and, um, and, um, and a number of big organizations like that. I'll, I'll go and, and talk to them on whatever subject they want. I'm, I'm one of the speakers again at the Montana Brewers Conference. Um, I've done that a number of times. But, um, but the, um, the people in Butte, the, at the archives in Butte, invited me. Uh, to come and talk about Butte Brewing history. 39 breweries in Butte in its history. I got stuff from all 39. And um, and so I took a whole bunch of this and stuff that I've got over at my house and went there and was so thrilled. They, in the new um, archives, they can seat 200 in their conference room. And it was standing room only. It was just wow. really a good turnout, which you'd expect in Butte. And it was uptown. And, um, and so I brought all this stuff and I set it out on tables. Then I started talk, giving my talk. And, um, and like I said earlier, for me, it's important that, that people get to, get to feel this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, um, and so afterwards, after my talk, um, people started coming up before I took everything back and they were lifting stuff up and then examining it. And how do they do this and that? It was great, and for after about a half hour, they started leaving, and um, and I was picking up, and putting my stuff in boxes and the like, and I noticed that this was missing, and it's <laughs> it's been one of my favorite pieces mm-hmm. for so long, and um, there's only one other guy in Butte that has another one, and um, and that's all, and so uh, I was just heartbroken, and you know I went through this the the uh, at least the two stages of. Um, of grieving over lost brewery stuff. I get pissed right. off, yeah. and, and then I got philosophical. I, you know, damn it, I lost this. And, um, but, you know, if I had to, it's appropriate that I lost it at the archives in Butte, you know, and all these old Butte people were in there, and 
they were all remembering drinking uh, Butte special beer and everything. And, <laughs> and um, so I left. And um, of course, the people at the archives were just so upset that something they would have hosted would have ended up missing. And told them, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll be fine. Well, about a year later, a little over a year later, uh, I get an envelope in the mail and um, inside of it from the archives and inside of it is an, it's another uh, letter envelope and, and there's no return address or anything and uh, it just says Butte Archives and um, Ellen Crane, that's the lady that runs it. And, um, and I, I open up the first one, oh there's another one in here, I open that one up and, um, and this fell out. And, and this little note was in there. It's lots of misspellings and it's really shaky, like an old person would write. Can and you read it? Yeah. It says, Dear Miss Crane, misspelled, I found this card in my purse after attending a talk with niece at the old fire hall. The talk, misspelled, was about beer. I think it must belong to you or the man giving the talk. We think he was a Lescovar. My Slovene family, the Lescovars, still live in Butte. And, um, and it just says, sincerely, Ruth. No last name, no wow. return address or anything. But this old lady, and I'm just positive that people were reaching over because they were looking at, uh, at paper ads and stuff like that. And I, I just think in my mind that she probably had her purse hanging down her and was pulling something over and it just slid across it because it was just sitting out with all the other stuff and fell into her purse. But a year later. And she realized how important it was. She realized how important that's it was. That's amazing. Isn't that wonderful? That's, that's oh, incredible. Man. That's just so heartwarming to me. So that's, yeah. that's number two. And number three is, is the, you see the old, fa uh, my favorite right there, the clear bottles. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you, you see there's, uh, there's three, uh, two of them right there. And, um, and anything pre-prohibition, hardly ever, any, any advertising hardly ever has a picture of a long neck bottle. My favorite beer. <laughs> that has to be one of your favorites, oh, doesn't it? It's gotta be. It's my favorite. Well, it certainly should be. <laughs> Literally, that's what it says on the label of the beer. Yep. My favorite there's, from Montana Brewing. There's a sister one right there. In Great Falls, Montana. Uh -huh. So these you? are like rare because they're the long neck? They're rare because, because, because they're so old <laughs> and they're in such good shape. Like you? Uh -huh. But, yeah, <laughs> I am old. I'm pretty good shape too. So anyway, there's two of these known to exist, and I got them both, and um, and and they're an advertisement for my favorite beer, and there it is with a it's, it's pre-prohibition. It's dated 1909 and 1910 on the inside, and um, and it's it's an actual picture of a bottle, which like I said is so rare, but. Okay. But these were made, uh, all my research, these were made, these were, um, uh, just outside of Great Falls was the smelter, and that's, uh, and the falls there is what they generated all the power for Great Falls, mm -hmm. and the waterfalls there, and, uh, and the big, uh, the big uh, anaconda smelter was there, mm -hmm. and, um, and all around the, the, um, the tower and, uh, was the little, um, the little community that was uh, all the Italians, and um, and uh, they were the ones that worked at the smelter. 
another one of those groups of, uh, of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody st still spoke Italian and broken English there. And around it, they had, um, there were four taverns in their little, in their little town. And, um, and, and so, uh, so when they would come off shift, they would all go into those four taverns and they all spoke broken English. And um, I have really close Italian friends and they start getting excited. They're yelling and screaming all the time and everything. It's, it's a wonderful um, um, Italian cliche, I guess, uh, that they're so loud. But, <laughs> but they all speak with their hands, or at least my friends do. And, um, and so they came out with these. And so when you came off shift and you walked up there um, for, your, for your beer, when you wanted another beer, keep in mind, there are 40 guys in these little taverns. So, so the, um, the beauty of these things, let's see here, is it says, blow, blow loud and clear, my favorite beer is here. Um, let's get acquainted. Um, and um, and, and it, the, the copyrights and directions are how you use this thing are right on here with the dates on it. Um, um, patented in the U.S. and Canada, but April 20th, 1909 and February 1st, 1910. And so when you wanted another beer, <laughs> you just, you just, you just whistled That's for incredible. it. Can you it imagine, a whistle. <laughs> can, can you imagine you 40, 40 Italian guys that are, that just worked a 10 hour shift, all screaming for more or whistling for more, <laughs> and I'll just line up there. Oh, I just love that piece. And so those are my three. I had no idea that's things. what you were going to show me. I thought it was just a little piece of paper that you're going to open and then you put it to your mouth and whistle. <laughs> that was awesome. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I love that your favorite pieces are like little pieces. They, they, so they that are, little yeah. matchbook and then the letter and the mystery and the lady card Ruth that gets Ruth. you. Mm -hmm. Like you're an essential worker, so you don't have to go off to war. That's right. <laughs> And then the whistle. Actually, actually, he was a goddamn essential worker. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and a few other creative words. A few other, words. <laughs> a few other creative words. Yeah. But that actually, like, that really mm. ties into the whole premise around beer again. Is like, like our favorite breweries. There's a lot of great beer out there, and we love sure really is. good beer. But that's kind of your ticket to entry, right? You're just having good beer. But... The best breweries are the, the ones that have some kind of ambience, some kind of story to it. Like I this, totally agree. Your, your card that that got lost in Butte and then returned to you like a year, a later, year later in the mail. I mean, those stories, now that that makes this little card. It was an interesting thing yep. and fun and probably already one of your favorites. It was. But then to have this story of how it got returned to you, I mean... You can't. So you it, can't beat that. It, you can't. You cannot. No. It the, made me the, think of beyond the history. So when we were in Lubeck in Maine, it's like we went to Lubeck, Maine, because they had the easternmost brewery there mm -hmm. in the United States. However, it was closed for a wake when we were there, oh. um, so we couldn't go in. But well, we you should have just gone to the wake. We went in afterwards because they said they were closed <laughs> until a right. certain time, right. Right. and the owner did say that they were closed, but they're going to open up in a few days because small town breweries and we're like oh sad face we're not going to be here in a few days and so he's like oh I'll get you a beer it could be on me and just hang out and have a beer and you know it's all good and so then we started talking to the, the, the local people and so this piece of paper now that I have it's all folded up it will always make the cut no matter what kind of RV, RV or space we move into because the person 
who the wake was for, her partner was there and had written songs, or she had written songs. She had written this poem. That he turned into a song. And he is a musician, and he was cool. performing at his partner's wake. Oh, and he performed her poetry and song. And he gave me... And April talked to him for quite a while, and he gave her a copy. Copies of the poems oh, and the poem. songs. That is, I mean, we, they didn't know us. So we walked the goosebumps in. again. Yeah. 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 That, this brewery was supposed to be closed wow. after... We didn't know it was closed post-wake, too, because it, it had just said closed from here to here. So we thought it would be open after the wake was over. But, but that little piece of paper. We went in and we ended up spending like three hours with these people. Good for you guys. And there were a lot of the people that just knew this lady who had passed away that live in that town. And they were awesome. They were just, they just embraced amazing. Us. Yeah. Telling us stories about They her treated and... us like we were from there or It was something. really, really great. That is stirring. So it that was little, incredible. Really is. Those pieces of paper will always yeah. have a place. Yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> that's the stories I love about breweries and yeah. beer. Me too. Yeah. Me, and me I too. couldn't tell you what beer we tried that day at the brewery. <laughs> I coun't tell you the beer, but it was I, good beer, I but that was one of my favorite brewery experiences of all time. You know. Wow. And you know, there's there's you know. a lot of times I can't tell you what what beer I drank. I yeah. can always tell you at the start. Right. But but you know, as as time passes, um, it especially if it's a really good beer, the very you just started with. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, your your taste buds say, "I'm going to accept all of this." <laughs> it's right. totally unconscious, but but you do. Yeah, and, and it's not just from being drunk or anything. It's just you, you just kind of buy into it. You were, use the word ambiance, mm-hmm. and, and ambiance means a lot. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, and the people you meet are just well. They, and that's they, that to me ties into ambiance usually. So it is a brotherhood, a, a connection that you just don't find. In other kinds of things, yeah. um, and uh, this beer is um, again, it's that it's that democratic leveler, and right from the start. You know, when we were kids in high school, we would uh, we would drink mostly brown derby, which was uh, we always called it brown debris or brown <laughs> or brown derbis. One of my friends couldn't pronounce debris, um, brown derbis, but um, came from Safeway stores. And Regal Select was 89 cents. Brown Derby was 87 cents for a six-pack. And that um, that big sky over there was 66 cents a six-pack. It's the lowest they came. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'd set down, uh, one of my buddies had a 37 Plymouth uh, pickup. It was an oh, old-time, wow. beat-up old pickup. It was brush-painted painted orange, and he bought it for 50 bucks when we were in high school. And, uh, and we'd take it down to the levee. And of course, with our fake IDs, we'd go and buy all this beer, and sat there. And and one of this, my good friends was, uh, he had red hair, and he, um, he he would drink his beer, and then he'd crush it on his forehead. And everybody would cheer. We called him Carrot. Everybody would cheer for Carrot, you know. And he'd do it, he'd do it over and over. We're just an idiot, and um, and and geez, at the end of the night, he'd just be bleeding up here, you know. But he'd just keep on doing it. He was a guard on our football team. And uh, and now, all these years, fifty some years later, he comes up for a week every summer, and, <laughs> and stays with me. He used to bring his his kids; they're all grown now, and his wife. Um, but we go fishing on a flathead lake for a week, mm-hmm. and, and it, he's really uptight. He's a fourth generation fireman, so he had a pretty stressful job. But he went from just being a, a fun pothead beer drinking buddy to um, 
to an ultra, ultra right-wing conservative. Oh. And, uh, and we are as different as day and night. And he cannot relax. And anything he sees reminds me, ah, oh, those, those, those liberals, they, they went blah, blah. Right. Well, I fill in full of beer for the first three days. It's seven days. <laughs> and, and we're setting out in a little fishing boat out on the lake and catching lots of fish always. And by, by the start of the, uh, that fourth day, he's back to the same old knotheads that when we were kids. <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's a lot of recordings that, from those days, just telling those old stories. And, uh, and uh, so we, uh, we drank a lot, a lot, a lot of beer. But even to this day, he still has her scars on his forehead. Oh my God. Oh. So you made me remember. So earlier we were talking about Christian from Lazarus Brewing in Austin. Yeah. He's a pastor and church and also brewer. If the beer doesn't go well, you can pray. And if the church doesn't go well, we can drink. Yeah. But he also was saying, too, along your lines, when you were talking about how, like, you know, beer just gives you this, like, you can be democratic. Yes. And, like, you can make your friend finally relax again. Yep. Christian also said, Beer, it just, it's also what makes you be able to talk across the aisles. It doesn't matter yeah. who you're with, and you were mentioning that earlier, you were talking about that mm -hmm. earlier, how you can talk to whoever you are sitting at the bar with. It's a beautiful that thing. That it can just make you talk across the aisles. It's a beautiful and thing. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Which so, when you're telling me that story, yeah. So, when you're telling the story, I have to say talking that. across the aisles. Yes, we can. No, we're across the rowboat. Yeah. No, it works. Across <laughs> wherever the you're at. Oh, whatever. So, yeah, maybe on that, exactly. we do cheers. I think so. To okay. Talking across the aisles All and right. the history. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I just can't get enough of that saying from Christian from Lazarus. Um, if the church doesn't go well, we can drink. And if the beer doesn't go well, we can pray. Like, I think that's perfect. And then also <laughs> him saying how we ended this by saying, like, beer just makes you talk across the aisles or the boat. Um, I, and that's exactly what uh, Bubs has done here with the museum is just uh, creating this this piece of history, but also this community where if you know where it's at, well, it's not truly hidden, but it's like this, it's a community where you can just gather with friends and relax. And you can either learn about beer or just sit there and have a drink. It's <laughs> just a wonderful place and just, to, it's a wonderful place to lose yourself. And I love what Bub says. He'll come in there on his own sometimes. And I love that he says that he'll just lie on the floor. Like, he doesn't just go in there and sit down at the bar. He's like, oh, I'll just come in and lie on the floor sometimes. Because that's probably the best way to look at all the, what is it, what does he call it? The Buriana on the ceiling, if I'm using that term properly. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's crazy because it's, I, I can't wait to actually now go away from Montana for a little while and come back and visit it again. Because he was talking about how, like, Bubs switches stuff out in there too. He has so much stuff he can't fit it all in there at one time. So every like few months, he'll rotate some of the stuff out and put new things in there and different things in there. And it's amazing. And we saw so many little pieces in there, uh, like from the area we're staying this summer that we've stayed in all summer is Big Fork, and there's like stuff about breweries that are from this area that are long gone now. That people who have lived here all their lives are like what what are you talking about that i've not heard of that and it's like yeah no it was here it was like, it's funny it's it's really cool we know amazing. shit the locals uh, don't know <laughs> <laughs> well we know it second and thanks to bubs <laughs> but yeah care. but we do yeah we, we can sound learn like some... the experts the, the the bubs top three things that he mentioned on the podcast too and i'm excited oh, yeah. for you guys to see 
what he was actually talking about. So you'll definitely have to check out the show notes on that. Um, and yeah, I'll... that'll be on our website on our podcast page. Yeah. And then you'll go down to this episode and just click on it and that'll take you to uh, the page that has show notes on it and some pictures. And yeah. And I usually gonna post don't put a whole lot of pictures up on the podcast because it's supposed to be an auditory thing and you listen to it, but there's just so many pictures yeah. to share with this that I'll put a few more pictures up in the show notes on this one so you can check it out. And again, like I said, at the beginning of this, um, there's like going to be part like four or five parts of the actual um, museum tour where you get on to video, basically yeah. walk through the museum with us as Steve talks about, Steve is also his name too, so Steve Rebubs talks about like all the pieces that he has there and it's, it's truly, truly amazing. So um, check that out. That'll be up. The first part will be up once the podcast goes up so you can start with that and then we'll just have to keep you waiting for the next few parts to come up so you can like see the entire brewery well, even yeah. though you're not here. You know, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well and, and hit the notification yeah. bell on there and that and you won't miss it. And we don't post all all the time on there, so you're not going to get hammered with a bunch of different no, crazy videos you don't care about. But this is really this the the this museum is so stunning visually that yeah, we had to do video for this as well as just talk about it and put some photos up because yeah. it's it's just really cool. I mean, if you're into beer stuff at all, or if you're a history buff, I mean, it's either or. You probably really dig this. So wait, before we head out and bid you adieu, um, I just wanted to leave you again with the quote that he had said, because I thought it was pretty cool when he's like doing all the research to find all of the gear, all the gear, when he's trying to find all <laughs> of the um, memorabilia and the things that he loves to collect. Um, his quote was, every piece of paper I turn over is an opportunity for discovery. Um, I think we should leave you with that along with, dude, you guys are running out of time for discovery of people that you love to be with. You're running out of time <laughs> to build your tribe. You're running out of time to build a community. Well, not truthfully, however. You're running out of time. Sign up for Camp Carpe Diem. You're running out of time to make it to the first ever Camp Carpe Diem, which is taking place in Ure, Colorado, uh, October 7th through the 10th. And so, you know, come check it out on the website. And April's got you covered there. C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M. Dot com. And yeah, check it out. I'm sure you're going to love it and come see us in your A. Also, though, remember how I said earlier that it's kind of like a speakeasy kind of thing for the Montana Beer Museum? Mm -hmm. If you ever make it to Montana and you really want to check it out, we got the digs. We know exactly where the museum's at. All you have to do is ask us. And Bubs would love to see you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> just ask us. Yeah. And what else should they do? With that, if you would subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, leave a review, any of that good stuff, we'd really appreciate it. And with that, I think we're going to bid you adieu finally. And cheers. Na. Nastrovia. Nastrovia. Now that was a good one. That was a very good, good one. All right. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.